Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hello, everyone, everywhere. This is Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Glory to God. We're so glad you take time out of your busy schedule to join us. Let's go to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started in today's Bible study. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We praise you for this day this opportunity to study your word, to hear from your Holy Spirit as we go through the scriptures. Father, we praise you for loving us while we were yet sinners and we're so far away from you that you gave Jesus out of love for us, that we, through him, can love you. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that for us, paying the penalty for the sin that separated us from our God. Be with us now as we go through the scriptures. May all that is accomplished be for the Father's honor, glory, and praise through you. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Shout amen, somebody. Join me in our confession of faith, commonly referred to as the Apostles' Creed. We do this again every Sunday as we lay the solid foundation upon which we can build. There is no other foundation as secure as the Word of God. Whatever we do in Jesus' name, building upon that foundation will remain. Amen. Glory to God. Repeat these words after me. Say them out loud. Even if you're in a public place and you you don't feel comfortable saying it very loud, at least say it loud enough for your own two ears to hear. For then it will get down in your heart. Take root and grow from there. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits now at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from where he shall come soon to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe the church is the body of Christ. I believe in the communion of saints. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the resurrection of the body. And I believe in life everlasting. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Glory to God. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 is where we're going to start. This is the last few verses, 18 through 20, of the book of Matthew. Now, as I was pondering and praying and seeking the Lord of what he wanted me to focus on today, this scripture came to mind. Part of it, I was interviewed uh, by a student at Johns Hopkins University, and the question was focusing on what is our purpose, basically? What is our purpose in ministry? Now, you can have all the canned answers you want that you're being taught, you know, by elders in church, by the pastor. Well, yeah, to preach the gospel to the world. Yes, amen. That's our purpose. Yes. To get people saved. Yeah, that's a good thing to do also. But... We save no one. Not one person in the entire planet can be saved by my preaching. Not one person can be saved by this ministry. Not one person can be saved by your church, by your pastor, or by any of the ministries coming out of your church. Not one person can be saved. Brother Bob, what are you saying? Jesus is the only way anybody can get saved. Jesus said, nobody comes to the Father but by me. Now, our preaching may introduce someone to Jesus. Our preaching may establish the desire in someone's heart to ask Jesus to come into their life. Our preaching, our churches, our ministries, our outreaches may help introduce someone to Jesus. And all of that is good. All of that is desirable. And once a person receives Jesus as their Savior, our job is done. No, not according to Jesus. Our job has just begun. So many churches, so many ministries focus only on on the salvation aspect 
of preaching the word. And I've been guilty of it too in the past. You'll hear at the end of this broadcast when I give an invitation for someone to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. I do it at the end of every broadcast. It doesn't matter if I'm preaching in a church, wherever I'm at. I always, always, always give an invitation. It doesn't matter if you're preaching on... uh, the Tower of Babel or whatever. Every scripture, every single verse in the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it is designed, every scripture is designed to introduce someone, somewhere, someplace, To Jesus. Amen. But our job is not to get people saved. Let's go through some scriptures and see exactly what the purpose of ministry is all about. And we're going to start here in Matthew chapter 28. And we'll read from verse 18 to 20 right through the end. Jesus came and spoke to them. Who is them? The disciples. Saying, all power. Now that word all is all-encompassing. There is not one shadow left out when you say all. If you came to my house to eat dinner, and I gave you all of my stake that I have. How much is left for me? None. I gave you all of it. Jesus said, all power. All power. Now, God is all powerful. Amen. He is almighty God. There is nothing he cannot do. If God wanted to, he could destroy this earth. With one word. He could wipe out the entire solar system with one word. He could wipe out the entire universe with one word. That's almighty. God with one word could send every person straight to hell. God with one word. One word could save every person from hell. And he did. Before we read the rest, turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I want you to see this one word that was spoken by God. Amen. In the beginning, we'll begin in verse 1, was the word. There it is. One word spoken by God changed the destiny of everyone who would believe it. One word, the same word, also sends every person to hell if they refuse to believe it. 
all of that power contained in one word. And his name is Jesus. In the beginning was the word, singular. Not words, the word, one word. This word was with God, and the word was God. That one word contains all of the essence of God. And nothing is left out. One word. The same word was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, by that one word. Amen. All things were made by that one word. Without this one word, there was not anything made that was made. In him, in this one word, was life. And the life was the light of men. Down in verse 14, this one word was made flesh and dwelt among us. His name is Jesus. That one word contains every iota of power that God has. That one word from Genesis 1-1 all the way through to the last period in the book of Revelation can be summed up in one word. And his name is Jesus. That's why Jesus said here in Matthew 18, all power, all of God's creative power, all of God's authority, all of everything that God is, has been given to me. All power in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. There is not one area left out. Because all power, all authority that has ever existed from before creation through Eternity to come is summed up in the word Jesus. And those who receive him as their Savior, the only one who can save, is also the only one who will send to hell. Because of this, Jesus is telling those who believe that all power has been given to him, those who believe in Jesus and in the power contained in his name, which is all power, he says to his followers, 
Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That word nations does not mean other countries. That word nations, the Greek word is ethnos, from which this Bible has been translated, which basically says all ethnic groups. Now, what is an ethnic group? Here in the United States, we are Americans. But there are different groups of people from different ethnicities. You have the blacks, the Hispanics, the Germans, the Poles, the Russians. All these are different ethnic groups that make up America. In Christianity, we are all Christians if you are a believer and a follower and a disciple of Christ. And we're going to get into that. And here Jesus is saying, go into all the world, teaching all nations, all ethnic groups, all manner of people who are in the world. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, ethnic groups, baptizing them. Baptizing means to immerse. There are some groups that believe in sprinkling and some in dabbing and some in full immersion. The Apostle Paul once traveled and found a group of believers. He said, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? He goes, we don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. What are you talking about? He goes, well, how then were you baptized? And he's, they said, with the baptism of John. And he said, John indeed baptized for repentance. John's baptism and what the Baptist church has been focused on is an outward expression of faith in Jesus that you now identify that your sinful man and all of your sins were washed away as you are immersed in death, symbolic in death under the water. And then when you rise up out of the water, symbolizing your resurrection with Christ and your new life following him. That's what it means. But here, this baptize, when Jesus said baptizing them in the name of the Father. There is no other name under heaven except Jesus given by which man shall be saved. But in the name, in a name means basically character. Your character makeup. When you hear the name of a notorious criminal, you associate that name with that character or that characteristic. For example, I don't know of very many people named Judas because they do not want their children associated with that character makeup of Judas Iscariot. There are not many people named after Adolf Hitler because people do not want to be associated with that character makeup.
Here Jesus says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the character makeup of God, of which there are many different names. We're not going to take the time to go through all those names today. You can look them up yourself. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, and on down the list. Okay, Each one of those names establishes a character trait of God. Now, here it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father. So they are now being established in the character of the Father, in the name of the Son. They are also being established in the character traits of Jesus and in the name of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. So when you go to teach all ethnic groups, all different ethnicities in the world, and the world is wherever you're at, you teach them that all power has been given to Jesus. Jesus has the power to save, and he has the power to send to hell. And then you baptize them. You immerse them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What does that mean to immerse them in the name, the character traits of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Well, verse 20. You teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. That does not go back to the Ten Commandments. Jesus said, Love your God, the Father, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then you teach people that concept. That's the commands of Jesus. And he says, Teach them what I've commanded you, and I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Teaching them, immersing them. Amen. All power has been given to Jesus. The power to save, the power to cast into hell. Now, because of that, and because we have accepted Jesus' call upon our lives, he says, go into all nations, all ethnic groups, all across this planet, baptizing them, immersing them in the name and character traits of the Father, the name and the character traits of Jesus, the name and the character traits of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe to love your God with all your mind, all your heart, all your soul, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And when you do that, Jesus says, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. Amen. You have to understand that. Go to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. We're only going to read one verse here. You don't have to turn over there if you don't want to. I'll just read it. 
I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That means there are some people who are ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Let's look at that word gospel. Oh, that's good news. Okay, I'll accept that translation. What is the good news of Christ? Well, you can get born again. Well, that's one aspect of it. What is the gospel of Christ? Who is Christ? Oh, that's Jesus. No, that's not true. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Messiah, which means the anointed one and or his anointing. So, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news, and actually that word gospel to look at the literal translation, is not just good news, but in the Hebrew version of it, it's actually too good to be good news. It's beyond good news. It's just too good to be true news. Amen. So, I'm not ashamed of the too good to be true news of the anointed one, and his anointing. I'm not ashamed of that. For it, the too good to be true news of the anointed one and his anointing is the power of God. Wow. Now we see that word power of God again. And all power in heaven and in earth all power has been given to Jesus. So, I'm not ashamed of the too good to be true news of the anointed one and his anointing for the too good to be true news of the anointed one and his anointing is all of the power that has been given to Jesus unto salvation to everyone that believes. To the Jew first, and also to those who are not Jewish. That's the Greek here in the King James Version. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, from one level of faith to the next. For the just shall live by faith. What kind of faith? Mark... Uh, Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in God. Well, what kind of faith are you supposed to have in God? John three sixteen, that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever—that's you and me. Whosoever, not just to the Jew, but to the Greek also, to those who had a covenant relationship with God, and to those that did not, that whosoever would believe would be saved. Hallelujah. Glory to God.
In 2 Timothy chapter 2, I'll turn over there. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. The Apostle Paul is writing from prison, knowing that his time of execution is coming. And just as when Jesus gave the John chapter 17 discourse, he knew his time was at hand, so the last words carry with it such authority. If, just like a, if there was a dying person in the hospital, a criminal, and he knows he's dying, he's been shot or whatever, and he wants to make a full confession, and he tells the police everything that he had planned, who his accomplices were, what they did, that carries authority in court. Even though there's no cross-examination, it is believed in this nation that the statements of a dying person who knows he's about to die carries absolute authority and truthfulness. Even though there's no cross-examining attorney there to try and tear the story apart. That statement stands on its own merit. The same thing in the Bible. Jesus knows his time of departure is at hand, so he spends the entire John 17 talking to his disciples what it is he wants them to remember. Here, Paul is in the same situation. He knows his departure's at hand. So he is imparting to his protege, Timothy, important aspects of ministry he wants Timothy to remember. Here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Now therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Grace, what does that mean? A lot of people say, well, it's saving grace. Well, it's more than that. Grace is the, the virtues of Christ. He says, be strong in the virtues of Christ Jesus. Again, that is not Jesus' name. He says, be strong in the virtues and the teachings about the Messiah. And he just doesn't leave it there. He says, Jesus, all the things that you have heard of me among or by many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men. The same things you've heard of me and things that people have told you about me, commit them to faithful men. Men who are full of of faith, who shall be able to teach others also. Oh, now we're starting to get somewhere. The purpose of ministry is to take what you've heard, the too good, almost too good to be true, good news of the saving grace of of Jesus, 
that all power and authority has been given to him in heaven and in earth, that he has the power to save and the power to condemn to hell, and that he has called faithful men to go to all different ethnic groups throughout this earth, teaching them to observe whatsoever thing he commanded them, and to share what they've heard, what they have learned with other faithful men who are full of faith, who will also be able to teach others also. There's your calling in ministry, the purpose in ministry, teaching others about what Jesus did. Again, let me go back to my first statement. Bob Thibodeau, through his preaching, can save no one. The Apostle Paul, through his teaching, can save no one. The Apostle Peter, through his teaching, can save no one. The Pope himself can save no one. All that can be done is to Teach others what Jesus has already done. And when you teach them and immerse them in the teachings of Jesus himself, you are immersing them in the character traits of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Immersing them. That is the term making a disciple, someone who is disciplined. To be a disciple of Jesus, the 12, we call them apostles now, at the time they were disciples, meant they were being disciplined by Jesus. They were being taught by Jesus in the character traits of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are disciples. And it grew. He had 70, then 120. And, but even though they were following Jesus, he said, you're following me not because of the teachings, but because you're hungry. They seen him do miracles, feeding you know upwards of almost 20,000 people with a two-piece fish dinner. And they wanted more of that. And he said, you're not following me because you're seeking me. You're following me because you're hungry and you want me to feed you. But the food I'm going to give you is not natural food. I'm going to give you Whatever my father has to say, I'll tell you. Whatever my father shows me to do, I'm going to do. Amen. He says, the same teachings commit to other men full of faith who will be able to teach others also. That's the calling of us in ministry. Amen. So, if we turn back to the book of Matthew, in chapter 18, you're going to see this. Matthew 18, we'll read in verse 15. 
Amen. Moreover, if your brother trespasses against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you or listens to you, you've gained your brother back. If he doesn't want to listen to you, then take with you one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to listen to them, then tell it to the church. That's a body of believers. Tell it to the church. And if he neglects to hear the church, he doesn't want to listen to what the church has to say, then let him be unto you as a heathen man and a publican. Jesus here is talking about discipline. Hard discipline. If someone does not want to follow the teachings of Jesus of love your neighbor as yourself, He's treating you wrong. He's treating you spitefully. He's using you, defrauding you. And you got a problem, go see him and tell him, look, this isn't what Jesus said. Now, I love you as a brother, but da, 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 all the stuff that he's doing wrong. He says, if he listens to you, you're, you're right, brother. I'm sorry. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be that way. Then you want your brother back. But if he says, hey, buzz off, I don't care what you have to say and I don't care what you feel like, get out of here. Okay, go and get two or three other fellow believers. Why is that? So you can come together, pray in agreement that the demon that is deceiving and blinding this brother may be bound and that his eyes would be open and ears to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. And then the three of you, or four of you, you and your two or three others, go and confront this man also, telling him you forgive him, but look, you got to change. you got to repent of this. And, and, so, and if he doesn't want to listen to what you and the brethren say, then you go to the church and talk to the church leadership, the elders at the church. It doesn't mean when he says take it to the church, he does not mean to get up you know, at, at the testimony time and say, let me tell you what brother so-and-so did. No, Jesus isn't saying go be gossips in the church. That's what happens a lot of today's in the church is instead of going to the leadership, if, if brother or sister so-and-so is doing something wrong, instead of going to the leadership and saying, look, has come to my, our attention, my attention, our attention, whatever, that brother and sister so-and-so are doing this, that, and the other thing. And we think that you know the leadership should be aware of it and that maybe uh, you, know, you could confront them about it and, and, and get them back on the right path. Instead of doing that, we start telling the people sitting next to us. We start... You know, you see that sister up there singing in a choir. Let me tell you what she does during the week. Huh. That's none of the business of of any other person in that body of believers. You need to tell it to the leadership. And if the leadership confronts them, and that person still refuses to repent and refuses to listen to the church leadership, then the leadership 
can publicly make an announcement to the entire body of believers. This has come to our attention. We've tried to counsel them. They refuse to, to believe anything we have to say. They refuse to change their ways. Therefore, we are going to disassociate ourselves from this person or this couple or whatever it might be. That they may then see that what they're doing is wrong, that their eyes may be open to the sin. And then Paul also, uh, like with the Corinthians and the person who had his father's wife, as his, took his father's ex-wife as his own wife and was committed adultery and all that, he said, you know, look, they don't want to change, disassociate yourself from them. And this person then repented of their sins to the church, but Paul is hearing that some people were still giving them the cold shoulder, shutting them out of their fellowship. And he said, no, 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 it worked. Discipline worked to convert that person and get them to repent. Now it's time to accept him back. Amen. That's church discipline. That's the discipline of the ministry to expose and open the eyes of the person who's committing the sin and get them to repent of that sin and brought back into the fellowship. Amen. Glory to God. In Ephesians chapter 4, I'll turn over there. Glory, hallelujah. Ephesians 4, verse, let's see. Verse 15 and 16. That we, henceforth, or from this point forward, be no more children. We won't be acting like little kids, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. You see that a lot, especially in the United States today. There's always this new thing. You know, the purpose-driven church. We're not going to preach on sin we're not going to preach on hell. We're not going to lift up the cross of Christ because we want, and it's not sinners or unbelievers in the community, it's the unchurched. We want to reach the unchurched. Well, what about the churched who's also sinning? If they're churched in unbelief, if they're churched, what does that mean, church? That's those who are taught the wrong things. We want to reach the unchurched, those who've been taught nothing, is what that means. We want to reach those who've been taught nothing. Folks, there's nobody in this earth who's been taught nothing. Everyone has been taught something. It may be wrong teaching. It may be a false religion. But they've been taught something. So, immediately we have destroyed the purpose of the purpose-driven church. Amen. Here he says that we would no more be like little kids running here, there, and everywhere. Amen. Tossed to and fro, carried about with every new teaching by the slight of men. In other words, 
Well, he goes on next one. Cunning craftiness of men. This, you know, basically deceit. Think of a magician on stage. They call him a magician. Really, they're called, the proper term is an illusionist. They make you think you see something that's not really true. I mean, they, they show you this woman climbing into this box, and then they saw this woman in half. You hear her screaming and yelling, and you see her feet wiggling, and there's two halves to this box. And then they put it back together, and she jumps out perfectly whole. Now, your natural mind knows this is an illusion. It's not really happening. But it still gets you to say, wow. I don't know how he did that, but that was great. But you see, you understand it's an illusion. In the church world, in the especially in the United States, and for that matter, throughout the whole earth, here he says, the slight of men, the illusions that men will say is this new thing, this new doctrine about Christ, about Jesus. Cunning craftiness, coming up with all these brilliant ideas that are designed to provide an illusion. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The cunning craftiness of men that are designed as an illusion to draw people in, those who are running to and fro looking for the newest thing, and giving them an illusion of salvation, an illusion that they are saved. They lie in wait just to deceive. They lie in wait to try and trick people who are seeking this new doctrine, this new thing, with an illusion that they're saved. Therefore, everyone else is wrong because they're not doing it the way we're doing it. So give us your money. Come to our church. Let's grow this mega church. We have 50,000 people coming to church, filling this uh, domed arena every Sunday. Oh, yes, amen. This is proof that we are teaching the true gospel. But Jesus says it's a slight of men, a deceitfulness of men, the cunning of men to try and deceive those who are seeking something. They do it, verse 15. I'm sorry. But we expose this by verse 15, speaking the truth in love. We speak the truth. John 17, 17. Thy word is truth. We speak the word in love so that they may grow up into him, into Jesus in all things. 
who's the head, even Christ. Again, that means the anointed one and his anointing, the Messiah, who's Jesus, from whom the whole body is fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. Every person in the body of Christ, every church, is designed to be part of the body of Christ and supply nutrients, supply a function to the body. He goes on later, you know, the story of if every man or every church, for this matter, were an eye, where would the nose be? If every man was a nose, where would the hearing be? You may consider yourself an inferior part of the body. You may say, well, I'm just the little toe on the body of Christ. Do you know how important that little toe is? Someone who has lost their little toe has a problem with balance. That little toe helps stabilize the foot. As weak as that member may be, it adds just that little bit of extra stability. So if you're even the little toe on the body of Christ, you have a very important function. Amen? Our purpose and the purpose of this ministry, Freedom Through Faith Ministries and the Freedom Through Faith Radio Network, our purpose is to make disciples, to make disciplined followers of Christ. That is the purpose for which every ministry is called. And it doesn't matter if you're an evangelist, pastor, preacher, teacher, prophet, whatever the case may be. You could be the far back right hand pew warmer in your church. You are called to make disciples, disciplined followers of Christ. You've heard me say it before, every person is called into some form of ministry. You may not be called to stand up in front of people and preach to crowds and give invitations and, and using the words of Christ, of Jesus, to draw men to come forward and make a decision publicly to receive Jesus as their Savior. You may not be called to do that. But it takes many different jobs and facets and, and many different types of people to reach one person that is lost and give them the hope of salvation in Jesus' name. I'll just take, for example, what I'm doing right now, preaching to you. I'm, uh, at the time, you might be listening to a recording of this, but right now we are live everywhere in the world through the internet. I'm preaching out of a Bible printed on paper. Someone who works for that Bible company that made this Bible 
may think, well, I, this is my part in the body of Christ to print these Bibles. To, to I'm the one who, who attaches the binding to the Bibles. That's a very important role. I'm the one who is typesetting the, the information for the Bible. That's a very important role. I'm the one who proofreads it to make sure there's no mistakes. That's a very important role. You may be the person who boxes the completed Bibles up to send out to the distribution centers. That's a very important role. The company that comes to pick up the boxes and deliver them that's a very important role. That person cannot drive that truck without the truck being built to quality standards where they can rely and trust in the reliability of that truck. That means the person on the assembly line at the truck plant has a very important part. They may not know that they are working to produce a truck that will deliver Bibles to lost people that can be saved. But if that person makes you know allows inferior products and does their job wrong and that truck breaks down or catches fire and burns up the bibles because this person decided to take a shortcut people are going to hell and that person working on that truck assembly line when he goes home in the evening he works so he can provide for his family and on the way home, stops off at the grocery store and picks up meals for his family and is happy that he has that job working at the truck company so he can provide meals for his family. And his family sees the love their parent has for them, their spouse has for them, and therefore they are united as a family. There's no division there. And all of that peace comes from that job. But he can't go to the grocery store and purchase the groceries without somebody stocking the shelves, without the cashier at the grocery store doing their part and getting that transaction completed. You see how it all works together in one body? There are many different parts that make up the body of Christ. You have a part in the body of Christ. You may not be standing up with all of the glory preaching the gospel to hundreds of thousands of people at one time. Here in our studio, I have this microphone I'm preaching into right now. I don't know how it works. I didn't make it. I went and purchased this microphone trusting that the people who put it together knew what they were doing. They may not have known they were assisting in reaching the world with the gospel when they put together this microphone. This microphone plugs into a computer. Those who worked on the computer assembly lines may not have known their part in getting the gospel out to uh, a Muslim in hiding in his back bedroom late at night listening to this gospel being preached where he can learn about salvation through this man named Jesus. They may not have known that. The ink pen I used to take my notes with. Someone says, well, I just make ink pens for a living. Glory to God. Without that ink pen, I wouldn't have my notepad here. 
the notepad that I take my notes on, that I may share the gospel with you and get it into all the earth. The person who cut down the tree that was part of making this notepad may not have realized their part in the body of Christ. Amen. The person who identified the tree to cut down. Amen. Every person is called into some form of ministry for Jesus. You may be called to be a doctor, and your calling is keeping that cashier healthy so she can do an accurate transaction for the person who assembled the truck or assembled this notepad or assembled the ink pen or assembled the Bible, whatever the case may be. You're called to be a fireman because there was a fire at the plant and you put it out, which allowed the plant to continue producing these notepads. See, every person has a purpose, has a calling, and your calling is part of the body of Christ. Amen. I hope you can see that. John 8, chapter 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews that believed on him. Remove, remove that word, those Jews. Then Jesus then said Jesus to those which believed on him. That's you and I. He says, if you continue in my word, if you continue in my teachings, then you are my disciples indeed. You are disciplined in the teachings which I give. Yes, if you continue in my word, if you continue in my teachings, you are my disciplined followers indeed. And by continuing in my word, by continuing to be my disciplined followers, you will know the truth. Back on John 17, 17, thy word, O God, is truth. You will know the truth contained in the word of God. Back on John 1, 1, that word is Jesus. And the truth contained in God's word, who is Jesus, will make you free. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. A lot of people say well, over in Matthew. Turn to Matthew chapter 4. I'm just going to throw this out there. Matthew 4, verse 18. Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers... Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers, or they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them in verse 19, Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. You see, the fishermen were catching fish. And Jesus said, you follow me, I'll, I'll 
teach you how to catch men. Now, these fishermen catching fish were providing for their family. And we could follow this all the way through. The people who made the nets that Simon and Andrew purchased had money to take care of their family. Simon and Andrew used these nets to catch fish. They took the fish to the market. The market owner bought the fish. So Simon and Andrew had money to take care of their families. And the market people sold the fish to the populace, and each one of them had jobs to do also. Might be constructing a home, or cleaning the street, or whatever the case may be. But each person had a part in that community life. Jesus said, follow me. Again, it goes back to following his teachings, to become a disciple, a disciplined follower of Jesus and the word which he preached and taught. I'll make you fishers of men. You know, a lot of problem in the church today and a lot of the problem in the United States today is because we are not disciplined in the teachings of Jesus. Everyone says, Oh, yes, I'm just a fisher of men. I preach the word and see who I can catch. That's not how they fished. You know, you talk to a fisherman today and someone who enjoys the sport of fishing will go out with a single rod with a lure on the end, try and catch a single fish. But the commercial fishermen go out there with huge nets, catching everything they can in one fell swoop. Amen? That's what Simon and Andrew were doing. They are casting this net and then reeling it back in and seeing what they netted. And Jesus said, using this same concept, I'll teach you how to catch men. And that just wasn't catching men, as we already read, using deceitfulness and the sense of illusion of salvation. He's saying, I'll teach you how to catch men for the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Ask anyone who's in the fishing industry. It's hard work. They have these reality TV shows about, you know, the dangers of fishing and all that. It's true. And how hard it is and how nasty it is. I mean, you catch the fish, somebody's got to clean them. Amen. I know if I want to go and have fish, I'm not going to go catch it and clean it. I go buy a fish that's already been cleaned. Somebody has to clean. If you if you throw your net in and haul in 50 fish, somebody's got to clean the 50 fish. Fishing a fishing community stinks. You know, you get down around all the the stinking fish. 
the the rotted guts and scales and all of that, the heads. The market even smells because these fish are decomposing if people don't buy them. The fishing community as a whole stinks. Putrid air. Now, to those in the fishing industry, it's not like that. I suppose some of them believe that. But if you were walking through this village, you'd say, man, it stinks. And you look at the fishermen down at the docks cleaning the fish, cleaning their nets, getting the scales off their boats and, and all of that. It's a dirty job. So is preaching the gospel. If it's done the right way. We tend to look at these magnificent churches, especially these mega churches, and the pastor standing up in his brand new Italian suit with the stage lights and the television cameras, and you know, everything is so clean and so pure. And he stands up and preaches the gospel. Praise God, he's preaching the gospel. But part of the problem, especially in America, you don't have a lot of church, what I call participation, where ministries go out into the nasty parts of the town to make an impact with the word of God. You don't have a lot of ministries that... that Go out and support going to the inner city. You don't have a lot of people that go to the jungles of Africa. You don't have a lot of people that are missionaries in the Philippines or, for that matter, into the Islamic world in the Middle East. Why? It's too dangerous. It's not fun. It's a hard life. But they are fishers of men. Amen. We tend to look at the niceties. Oh, you're a fisherman. Wow, that's cool. And the fisherman, you know, he makes a lot of money, we'll say. He makes, you know, a lot of money and he's got his own boats. He's got a fleet of boats. And oh man, he's got a nice house and his kids go to the best schools. Man, it must be great to be a fisherman. But they don't see the nuts and bolts of day-to-day activities and how nasty it is. Amen. You got to get down in the trenches to see from the ground level what it takes. Again, not every person is called to do that. Not every person is called to be a missionary. Not every person is called to be a pastor or a prophet or an evangelist or an apostle or anything like that. But every person is called into some form of ministry. And again, I'm not going to go through it all again, but your job may be the cashier. And what you are doing is effective ministry work. You may be a school teacher. Now, I know in the public school system it may be hard, but... You can still live your life and let your light so shine before those students. And if given an opportunity, share the gospel. 
Don't ever allow a government authority to tell you you can't preach. If it costs you your job, Jesus will see, see to it that you get another one. Jesus is our sole reason for living. To share his gospel. To share the almost too good to be true good news that all power and authority in heaven and in earth has been given to Jesus. That there is no other name, no other name under heaven by which man shall be saved. Jesus is the word. The only word that matters. It doesn't matter if you're facing Satan himself in a head-to-head -head confrontation. One word will send him running. And that's Jesus. I remember one time, right after I went into the ministry, Satan sent a demon into my room, middle of the night. And this thing had me. I couldn't breathe. I opened my eyes. I could not see anything. There was a light, a street light that shined through our window on the, through the wall. I couldn't even see that light. I see nothing but darkness. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. I tried to you know, just flip my hand and, and nudge my wife that I needed some help. I couldn't even move my hand. And with all of the force that I could muster and made every effort, I started to pray. And all I said was, Jesus. And I didn't even get that out. I said, J of the word Jesus. And as I said, J of the word Jesus, I felt that force lose its grip. By the time I said, Jesus, I seen that thing come off me and it flew right through the wall and suddenly I could see the reflection of the light again and I, I <gasps> took that breath that's the power of the name of Jesus all power in heaven and in earth has been given to him our ministry to go back where we started our purpose in ministry Yes, it's to get the word out. That's our mission statement. Get the word out. How are we going to do this? By using every available voice that's made available to us. Right now it's the internet. The day is coming. The Lord show me when we'll be preaching on the AM and FM airwaves. We're preparing video ministry right now. It's not ready and it's not up and running. We're getting the elements in place. Blogs and our websites and social media and things like that are being used to get the word out. That's our ministry, Freedom Through Faith Ministries. The Freedom Through Faith Radio Network is designed to empower other ministries to get the word out, to fulfill their calling by God to enter into broadcast ministry, to make it as easy on them as we can. That's the purpose of the radio network, to empower others to impact this world with the gospel.
we're going to be designing, it's already in the development stages, a discipleship program, a teaching, more or less a, like a university basis that will have a certificate at the end, we'll have a licensing, we'll have ordination, but it's to make disciples, disciplined followers of Jesus. It's not about this ministry. It's not about, about Pastor Bob. It's not about anything but Jesus. That's the sole focus of my life, is to lift up the name of Jesus. That's all there is to do. Amen. And I thank God every single day of my life right now that he has trusted me to go into all the earth through this internet, to go into all the earth teaching all nations, all ethnicities (laughs) what he has taught me. What Jesus teaches me, I share with you baptizing, immersing people in the word of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to teach them everything he has commanded us. That's the purpose for this ministry, and I hope you'll join with me. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord or Savior, this is your day, this is your hour. Don't let another moment go by. Just say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner, and I repent of my wicked ways. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart and take over my life, to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for creating me a new man, one that loves God and loves you. Help me to know my place in the body of Christ, that I may do what you have called me to do. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer, email me at brotherbob at ftfm.org. We thank you. We praise you. Email me and let me know if there's anything I can do for you. Till next time, be blessed in all you do. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.